Welcome to Indie Audio, the audio version of The Independent. To listen to past episodes of Indie Audio, go to independent.org. That's I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot O-R-G. If you like what you hear, please help support The Independent by going to our webpage and donating or becoming a subscriber. There are 9-11 in hours. Christchurch Massacre Highlights Global Reach of White Nationalism by Nicholas Powers. Under the exploding Twin Towers, you can see her face. In early March, Republicans displayed a poster in the West Virginia State House that showed the fireball jet crash of 9-11. The caption reads, Never forget, you said. Underneath the image of Representative Ilhan Omar wearing a hijab, it warns, I am the proof you have forgotten. Fourteen days later, and 9,000 miles away, a white supremacist using the same enemy on the GOP poster entered Al-Noor Mosque in New Zealand, lifted his semi-automatic guns, and shot. Fifty people were killed. Fifty people were injured. The image on the Republican poster was the same one in the killer's mind. It was the enemy, a caricature, Muslim or Jewish, black or immigrant, created by an international white power movement. For them, any act of terrorism or crime by immigrants is an attack that must be met with violence. It feeds into the ongoing cycles of hate that choke our lives. As the Twin Towers fell and nearly 3,000 people were burned alive or crushed, the horror was allegedly split by two ideologies. For the left, 9-11 was the tragic result of American imperialism. Noam Chomsky's book 9-11 set the template even as smoke rose from ground zero. He and subsequent leftists argued that the United States had carried out terrorism from Latin America to the Middle East. When the United States funded an armed Islamic militants in Afghanistan to fight the Soviet Union, it was inevitable that they'd turn on us. The right's 9-11 was that the United States was a good and moral superpower wounded by barbaric fundamentalists. American exceptionalism was reaffirmed by Congress singing God Bless America as firefighters picked through rubble for bodies. Patriotism flowed down from the White House, news, movies, and music. The war on terror was a war on the, quote, axis of evil. 9-11 became a category of unjustified pain inflicted by militants on, quote, good people, us, the Americans. The rights 9-11 detached from ash-covered New York into a floating metaphor to brand permissive liberalism as the handmaiden of terror. In 2001, Reverend Jerry Falwell blamed the attacks on, quote, pagans, abortionists, and the feminists, saying, quote, all of them who tried to secularize America, I point the finger in their face. In 2010, when an Islamic community center was to open in downtown Manhattan, the right protested it as the Ground Zero Mosque. In 2015, when gay marriage was legalized, radio host Brian Fisher tweeted, 626 is now our 9-11, the day the Twin Towers of Truth and Righteousness were blown up by moral jihadists. Now Republicans showed a poster of a black Muslim woman, Representative Omar, recently elected under a photo of the towers exploding. 9-11 is a thermometer for Republican Christian ethnic nationalism. When they lose politically, fear heats their rhetoric. It is invoked as proof they're facing a cataclysm. The farther right one looks, the more end times imagery one sees. The GOP poster repeats Pat Buchanan's drumbeat of the death of the West. Alongside him is Tucker Carlson's immigrant bashing. Further right, there's the Nazi propaganda of Jared Taylor and Richard Spencer, who talk of white genocide and white replacement. The doomsday scenes flood the internet where lonely, broken men create community around a shared vision. At the end of their transformation, faces glowing with faith, they pick up semi-automatics, go to a temple to kill Jews, go to a mosque to kill Muslims, go to a church to kill blacks. Spattered with blood, they are arrested and jailed but rarely apologize. They never realize they have become the terrorists they supposedly feared. Three days after the white supremacists killed 50 people in a New Zealand mosque, a Turkish man in Utrecht, Netherlands, killed three and injured seven. The police believe it is an act of terror. 
If so, it joins a long list of Islamist terrorism. If white supremacists read Nazi propaganda and look at 9-11 footage, then Islamists read religious propaganda and look at their history. And there's lots to see. They could start with the European Crusades and the later colonization or footage of children starved to death from U.S. sanctions on Iraq or U.S. bombs destroying Baghdad or U.S. soldiers torturing prisoners. They could start with the racism they feel in the West even if they grew up in it. They could do all of this because they are less the children of Islam than the children of neoliberalism, floating between cultures adrift in the backwash of capitalism and searching for meaning. It could be alienated youth in New York or Paris or London. Everywhere broken men are lost and, like moths, go to the brightest, loudest, angriest websites or mosques or leaders. Documentarian Dia Khan followed jihadists and white supremacists and saw how eerily alike they are and how the men in both fail at relationships and why the news alternates between mass killings. Now it's the Muslim driving a truck and mowing down innocents in France. Now it's the white boy going into a black church and shooting. Now it's bombs ripping apart runners at the Boston Marathon. Now it's another gunman entering a mosque and live streaming the death. Islamicism and white power are two ideologies feeding each other fresh blood and growing stronger with every death. Between these two hatreds, liberals decry the violence and hold peace vigils, but they very rarely challenge the history of violence that created the trauma of these men, nor the ideologies that express it, nor the emptiness of modern life, nor the hopeless future. For lost souls, sometimes only pain seems real. This clip was produced by Aaron Sheridan.